0: The year John was in grade seven, Christmas was especially meaningful. He knew the story of Jesus, but John had also just learned about human reproduction. 1981, right now I realize something weird has happened to me. Yesterday, I couldn't get Christmas carols out of my head. They were about birth. (laughs) When I came home from school, the little girl next door told me her mother was in the hospital And this morning, her father phoned my mother and told her he had a new daughter. I just remembered the carols now and felt weird. (laughs) That's John reading some grade seven Christmas memories. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing? This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Toronto at the Bloor Hot Dog Cinema, we have mandatory letters from camp, a famous fashion designer, and an unfortunate encounter with a screen door. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can help us understand who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. This episode was recorded as part of the Hot Docs Podcast Festival in Toronto. It was a really special show for a lot of reasons. And one of those reasons is that we got to invite back some of our all-time favorite readers from the past 10 years of Grown Ups Read Things they wrote as kids. Readers like Jason. Jason is going to read some things he wrote when he was 14 years old. And Jason says, while other 14-year-old boys only wanted to talk about hockey or Dungeons and Dragons, he wanted to talk about that week's episode of Dynasty. Please welcome to our stage,
1: Jason. Evening, guys. So I'm going to read three entries from um, a a school journal that I was writing at the time. I was in grade nine, and this was to my English teacher. Uh, This first entry is called Names. If you were a member of the opposite sex, what would your name have been? I know that if I had been a girl, my name would have been Candace. (laughs) Names are strange things. I'm not talking about names like Egotist and Show Off. I'm talking about our own personal ones like John or Betty. Names can be long, short, stupid, or elegant. When I hear the name Faye, a name I personally like, I conjure up a vision of a wealthy, sophisticated fashion designer. She has jet black hair pulled tightly into a bun. She has olive-colored skin, and she's wearing a black knee-length skirt with an oversized, yellow, smock-like jacket (laughs) with shoulder pads to make her waist look slender. An extremely attractive woman. My mother works with a man named Pete Peterson, and when he answers the phone, it sounds like he has a speech deficiency, better known as a stuttering problem. How would you like it if your name was Thomas Thomas or Catherine St. Catharines? I personally like elegant names, such as Ashley, Corinne, Fay, Emily, and Alexandra. I wish to name my daughters these, but if I have a boy, Hunter, Adam, Alexander, or Cole will satisfy me. I was thinking the other day that if I ever become an actor, I think I would change my name to Alexander Terrell. I love this name, and I wish I had been named Alexander, but since I'm only going to become a psychologist, Jason Allen will do. Uh, This is the second entry. When she stepped in the door, everyone gasped. She glided foot in front of foot towards the front of the room. Everyone knew she was the famous fashion designer, Faye St. James. (laughs) When she reached the front, she stopped. Everything stopped. Her wide green emerald eyes were perusing over all of us. Her soft, olive skin brought out a glow in her. She had her raven-colored hair drawn back tightly into a bun. Her blood-red lipstick gave her a sophisticated smile. Her shoulders were built up high with shoulder pads to make her waist look even more slender. She smelled of rose perfume, which was, of course, her own creation. She was wearing a canary colored, smock like (laughs) cotton jacket, which came down at the back like a harp. (laughs) This smock hung over a black knee length skirt. (laughs) She looked like a million dollars, and so she should. She was Faye St. James. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, one more entry. This uh, entry is called Favorites of Mine. One night, as I was just about to go to bed, I had a brainstorm. It was of all the things in life I love. On the top of the list, I love the smell of a dry tea bag. I also love the Flowers in the Attic series of books by V.C. Andrews. (laughs) There are four books in this set, and when I completed the last page of the last book, I cried for ten minutes. I shed more tears than when my grandmother died. I love glamour. Tuxedos are my favorite kind of clothing. I have only ever worn three, but when I put one on, I feel as if I have been transformed into some sort of wealthy man. I also love applause. Just the thought. (laughs) Thank you. Just the thought of staring into a blinding white light and hearing loud claps all put together makes my skin go cold. I flash a smile and the clapping increases until finally there is a roar and everyone ascends off of their seats and straightens their knees to give me, Alexander Terrell, a standing ovation. I love the White House. When I was there, I felt as if I owned it. (laughs) Walking down the main corridor to the Red Room or the Blue Room made me feel like the president's son. (laughs) I love New York City. I love the idea of arriving at Saks Fifth Avenue in a long black limousine. No one can see inside because all of the windows are smoked. The car slows down, and I get ready to run into the store to buy hundreds, even thousands of dollars worth of clothing. Some other things I love are the color aqua, rolling my pants up in the summer, the movie The Color Purple by Steven Spielberg, diamonds, Christmas, the 1812 overture, the smell of a florist shop, Elevators and Revlon commercials. Thank you very much.
0: Alexander Terrell, ladies and gentlemen. Here grew up and went to camp. Okay, this is good. In the year 1977, Esther was 11 years old. She went to camp, and she is going to read a series of letters that she wrote home to her family during what she describes as mandatory letter-writing sessions. Please welcome to our stage, Esther.
2: Camp is a place for new beginnings, so as a child I wasn't a big fan of my name, Esther, and um, I decided to give myself a new name. I decided to call myself Charlie. (laughs) And my older brother, Matthew, was at home with Ma and Pa. So I don't really think I called my parents Ma and Pa in person. I was going through a little house-in-the-prairie phase... (laughs) July 1st, 1977 Dear Ma and Pa I miss you very much I'm very homesick I have a cold and I'm very sad I need you as soon as possible How are you? How is everything? I think that's enough love, Esther So, between July 1st and July 2nd I must have called my parents July 2nd, 1977 Dear Matthew, Ma, and Pa How are you all? Ma, you were right I'm having a great time Last night we played strip poker (laughs) I love canoeing It's so much fun There is a kid in my cabin called Andrea Andy Werbel. She never stops smiling. There is a kid called Nina. She had a headgear that goes around her head. (laughs) I love horseback riding. I guess that's all I can say. Love, Esther. P.S. All the kids call me Charlie. July 12th, 1977. Dear Ma and Pa, how are you both? I just got over being homesick and I'm having a lot of fun now. The kids in my cabin are trying to fix me up with a boy. They're still looking. (laughs) I can't wait to see you. All my love, Esther, in brackets, Charlie. July 13th, 1977. Dear Ma and Daddy... I don't see why I should write you for two reasons. I am seeing you on Friday, and I wrote to you yesterday, so I'm writing in a hurry. By the time you get this, I'll probably be at home. I guess that's all I can say, love, Charlie. P.S. Daddy, why don't you ever write back? (laughs) July 24, 1977. Dear Ma, Pa, and Matthew, how are you? I'm fine. We had a dance yesterday, and Sarah, my sister, found a plump boy with glasses. (laughs) Me? Nothing. (laughs) I have nothing really to say. Love, Charlie. July 25th, 1977. Dear Ma and Daddy, how are you both? I'm fine, but I just don't want to go home. Today is letter writing day, but I wrote just yesterday. This is a waste of time. (laughs) Love, Charlie. Thank you.
0: Esther wrote those letters when she was 11. And today she has an 11 year old of her own. Want to know what she named him? Yep, Charlie. Grown-ups Rethinks They Wrote as Kids started almost exactly 10 years ago. It was Christmas time, 2006. My wife Jenna and I were visiting her parents for the holidays, and we came across some of her childhood and teenage journals. We spent a lot of that visit reading them out loud to each other, and it was so much fun we decided to book a night at a local bar and invite some friends to share their kid writing. And we've been doing it ever since. All this to say, the holidays are a great time to rediscover the things you wrote when you were a kid. If you are home for the holidays, please, Spend a little bit of time and dig up those diaries and school assignments, letters from camp, and whatever other weird and wonderful stuff you came up with as a kid. And then come read it on our stage. We have a bunch of live events coming up in the new year, and we would love for you to be part of one. For all the details, sign up for our email newsletter. It's the first place we announce new live shows, and you can sign up at our website, grownups.fm. Or even easier... Use the link in the show notes on your device right now. Again, if you're home for the holidays, get digging. Hope to see you soon. When Roger was 14, his family immigrated from Trinidad to Canada. And at our Toronto show, he read a journal entry that chronicles his very last day in Trinidad, just before leaving. Here's Roger.
3: I had never seen the grass so green before. The air was cool and sweet. I had always had to get up early for school. The school day began at, at 7.30 a.m., but I never had time to just stand outside as the morning sun rose, causing the dew to glisten. It made the grass look different, darker richer. I felt wicked. It was a school morning, but I wasn't going to school. Friday had been my last day. Even my Spanish teacher, who I was scared to death of, had been nice to me and given me a book so I wouldn't forget Fatima College. He had offered words of encouragement and seemed almost human. (laughs) Today was Monday, and I had a funny jittery feeling in my stomach that wouldn't go away. The apartment that had been home for as long as I could remember was empty. There were a couple of suitcases in the middle of the living room, and that was it. All of my toys were gone, all of my posters were gone, as was my computer. My parents hadn't wanted to pay to ship any of it, so it all had to be given away. I stood in the hallway where my bike had been kept. That too was gone. Voices echoed through the empty apartment as my mother, father, and brother talked about what tomorrow would be like. We were moving, but we weren't just moving somewhere else on the island. We were leaving Trinidad completely and heading to Canada. The great white north where people didn't pronounce the letter T like we did. (laughs) 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 But we couldn't wear short pants outside and where we would have to wear big, poofy jackets all the time or we would (laughs) freeze. The coldest I'd ever been before was sitting in a room with air conditioning. (laughs) It was impossible to fathom being so cold that I would abandon t-shirts and instead choose such atrocious attire that (laughs) (laughs) reminded me more of a life preserver than an everyday fashion item. I did not really know a lot about Canada. All I really knew about it was that it was north of America and we'd be living in a house instead of an apartment. Cars had the steering wheel on the left-hand side and they drove on the right side of the road instead of the other way around. Clocks went forward and backward depending on the time of year. (laughs) I missed that extra hour of sleep, let me tell you. In Canada, they, they played baseball instead of cricket. Packaging had both English and French on it. I would see snow for the first time. I did, however, know about screen doors. <laughs> I'd been to Canada once before. We stayed in a hotel in downtown Toronto and went up the CN Tower. We also watched a Blue Jays game. There had been an air show that day, and a British Airways Concorde had flown overhead. That visit was the first time I had ever encountered a screen door. (laughs) My parents were visiting a friend, and I was wandering around the house looking for my brother. I saw him outside on a swing, so I joyfully left through what appeared to be an open doorway. A few seconds later, I found myself rolling around on the ground, trapped inside a black mesh. <laughs> Never again, I swore. <laughs> Never would I underestimate the screen door. <laughs> it was time to go. Our cars were gone, so one of my father's friends came to pick us up. We left the place where, we, where I'd grown up for the last time. I learned to climb trees and how to play football the real kind, not American or Canadian, (laughs) and cricket there. We used to walk around on stilts made out of Milo tins, but it seemed we were leaving all of those childish things behind. Our parents told us that Canada would be a place where we would work and study harder than we had ever done before. The jittery feeling in my stomach was becoming worse. I was excited, but I was also sad and nervous. I always enjoyed going on trips, but this was not a holiday. We were going one way only. I wondered what it would be like to never come back. I watched the road go by as we raced to the airport. I, wat- I enjoyed watching the broken lines on the road dash by the car. BWIA, British West Indian Airways, pronounced BWI, was the national airline of Trinidad and Tobago, and was carrying us to Canada. Infamous for its unreliability, it had earned such, itself such un- gracious nicknames as Bound for in Airport, and but will it arrive? <laughs> it ran true to its name, and it was delayed more than two hours that day. We boarded the Sunjet St. Lucia an L1011 500 in the middle of the afternoon. I watched when my father kiss the tarmac of the island where he had grown up, a home he loved that he was leaving to create a better life for my brother and myself. I patted the side of the plane as I boarded. The metal felt smooth and cool. I took a deep breath in and swore I would never again take take for granted the way the sun felt on my face and the breeze in my hair. We left our island behind, a green gem in the sparkling Caribbean sea. I knew I'd be back, but for now it was what lay ahead at the end of our seven hour journey that frightened yet excited me. I watched as the sun set, And we flew on into darkness. Thank you.
0: One more time for Roger,
3: ladies and gentlemen. Every time I read it, uh, the memories come back so vividly. I think I'm a very different person now than I used to be back then. Uh, Certainly my core values as well as my sense of humor were starting to take shape. And a lot of things from that part of my life are still extremely, extremely important to me. But I've also grown in in ways that perhaps I would not have had we stayed in Trinidad. I think that starting a new part of your life, whether it's a new job, new school, new city or country, is always challenging. There are big changes and the excitement and apprehension that come with that. I think that everyone has successes and setbacks during periods of transition. I think what I would suggest to young Roger is to take a breath, to take some time to reflect, and to talk less, and listen and to watch more.
0: When Susan was 10, her older brother wrote a story for school called The Whopper and he got an A-plus on it. Susan was so inspired by her brother's literary prowess that she decided to write her own story, which she also called The Whopper. And though it shares a title with her brother's work, she maintains that her story is entirely original. It is about a burglary that takes place, you guessed it, at Burger King.
4: (laughs) The Whopper. One day, when I went to Burger King, it was having a stick-up. But the stick up was held by a huge whopper. <laughs> Give me your money or all the whoppers, demanded the huge whopper. <laughs> My mom tried to keep me away from the whopper, but she couldn't keep me away. I went to the huge whopper and took a bite. My mom yelled, Susan! So I took another bite, and the whopper yelled, Stop it! So I ran back to my mom. The huge whopper came after me. I started to scream because he was going to eat me. Suddenly he stopped. The huge whopper saw the girl of his dreams. She was another huge whopper, and of course, was a blonde. (laughs) The whopper started to go after her, but she ran away. She was found curling her hair in her house. <laughs> when she was done, she said, "Well, hello there, big boy. <laughs> I'm ten. Uh, the Whopper, <laughs> the Whopper blew his top, and they went for a date <laughs> at Cafe Hamburg. <laughs> they had a great time, and everyone and Whoppers live happily ever after. The end. Thank you." <laughs>
0: A big part of growing up is broadening your horizons, getting outside your own experience, and opening yourself up to the world. When Frances was 16, she went on an exchange program to Germany. And while she was there, she documented everything in her diary.
5: These are from the first six months of my exchange July 28th, Canada, on the plane to Germany. Lesson learned how to get on a plane all alone. Challenges I speak English. In eight hours, I'll have to speak German. <laughs> July 29th. <laughs> Germany. Lesson learned. German security is very thorough. I got an aggressive rubdown. <laughs> Thoughts for the day. I hope my German host family is getting excited. I hope they'll pick me up at the airport. I hope their car is big enough for my suitcase. I hope I don't cry when I see them. July 30th. Sometimes we eat dinner and sometimes we don't. Today we didn't and my stomach is growling. (laughs) I wish German was easier. I wish I could hug my mom and dad. I miss my brothers. I miss dinner. (laughs) July 31st. My host family's expecting me to speak German in two weeks? Yeah, right. August 2nd. My host sister Geza made pancakes today. They were gross. It was just mush that tasted like bananas and raw eggs. Poor girl. Well, at least her heart was in the right place. (laughs) My host mom, Marika, took me and Geza to go swimming at the pool this afternoon. I went in the shower after, and there was this old lady, completely naked, washing her pits and staring at me. (laughs) August 11th. So I finally got to meet the other exchange students is so sweet, she's from Estonia. Then there's Kelsey, slightly annoying, but sometimes she's funny. She's from the U.S. She became my best friend that year. <laughs> then there's Eduardo, who Kelsey keeps calling Hazy's for some reason. He's from Mexico. I learned later that day his name was Hazy's Eduardo. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Vitor from Brazil. He is so hot. It's so nice to finally talk to other people who are going through the same thing as me. August 12th. Today I tried my first beer. It was called Beck's Green Lemon. (laughs) And it took me a long time to drink. It was good. Then I had an orange-flavored beer. It was good. (laughs) I only had two. Don't worry, diary. I didn't want to get drunk. I met some other exchange students today. One named Chung-On-Wan from Taiwan, Lily from the US, Danielle from Mexico, and Alex from Brazil. We rode the bus home together. It's cool hanging out with Latin Americans because they kiss you on the cheek when you meet them. It is awesome. October 9th, something good. I had my first kiss, Alvaro from Chile. (laughs) Something funny. I had my second kiss. (laughs) Miles from South Africa. (laughs) Challenges, homesickness. (laughs) November 10th, we went to the disco last night. Alvaro kissed me again and I had a hickey on my neck. I covered it up with makeup. Today, when we met the other exchange students, Miles was trying to take off Alvaro's scarf, and everyone was laughing. I didn't get why it was so funny. Later, Vitor told me it was because he had two hickeys on his neck. This is when it gets really funny. Vitor's mom, who's my next host mom, asked him why he had so many bruises on his neck, and the boys told him it was because of me. She thought it was pretty funny, apparently, because I'm so embarrassed. I don't want to kiss any boys ever again. (laughs) December 11th, lesson learned, Mexicans are good kissers, (laughs) but hickeys are dirty and hard to hide. (laughs) Thoughts for the day, I finally moved in with my new host family, I really love them, well, I'm falling asleep, peace. (laughs) January 3rd. Epic party I went to last night. I made up with Diego from Venezuela. (laughs) Jean-Pedro from Brazil. That one was after midnight, though, so it doesn't count as two people in one day. (laughs) That would be so slutty. January 1st. (laughs) Well, I finally went to the doctor. I can't believe it. I have mononucleosis. (laughs) That's all I got. Thanks so much.
0: Who saw that coming? Also, does anyone want to start a punk band called Aggressive German Rubdown? <laughs> that is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show was recorded live in Toronto at the Bloor Hot Docs Cinema as part of the first ever Hot Docs Podcast Festival. And it was produced by Jenna Meisner. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Olivia Nashmi is our intern. Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids is an independent production supported by listeners like you. If you like this show and you want to help us keep making it, visit Grown Read Things They Wrote As Kids dot com and click support the show. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.